Hey everybody, welcome back to Gray Malkin Lane's newest Patreon episode. I am so excited because I get to hang out with my two real life friends, both of whom are prettier than I am. It's so wonderful to see Demanda Martini and Justin Kosmachuk on my camera this evening. We get to hang out later this summer and we get to hang out tonight on my computer. It's so good to see you both. Let me have you both introduce yourselves. People who are frequent listeners of my show know both of you because I keep having you back because you're wonderful. Uh, but tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do. Uh, let's start with Demanda, who is in drag as our character this evening. And I am flummoxed. Hi, Demanda. Hi. I mean, I had I had, I had to keep with theme of dressing up <laughs> like the characters that we're talking about. Uh, we've done Lorelei, Madame Sanctity, and now S- Silver Sable and Marvel Girl. Oh, that's right. Well, yeah, Silver Sable, and I did, and I did Marvel Girl for like the first episode that I ever mm-hmm. did, and then I did Rachel's Blue Phoenix for mm-hmm. the special drag episode that we did. Um, I've been on your show a lot, oh, girl. I love you. <laughs> um, so, hi everybody. If this is your first time listening to this podcast with me on it, my name is Demanda Martini. I'm a Washington D.C. based uh, drag performer, cosplayer theater artist hyphen 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 um i uh perform uh all around the dc area uh i have just started traveling to other cities which has been so amazing this year that was my goal for 2023 and i have been doing it so far which is great um uh th- when by the time this episode airs uh the three of us are going to be gearing up to be at Fan X in Salt Lake City. Uh, so uh, if you're in the Utah Salt Lake City area, please come say hi. If not, I would probably see you at a convention. And if I haven't, then hopefully I'll see you at one soon. Demanda and I have hung out in person a few times. We get to hang out at FlameCon two weeks after we record this. But weirdly, this episode will come out after FlameCon's already done because that's how the show works sometimes. Uh, and uh, and the other friend we get to welcome, uh, Justin is wearing a very nice Cafe Agogo tank top. Uh, you're going to have to keep saying, my eyes are up here because that cleaves <laughs> my friend. Justin, hi, how are you? <laughs> Hello, thank you again for having me. It's always good to hang out and talk. Um, and nerd out and also a pleasure to finally be on the show with Demanda who I've been a long time fan of at least for oh. last few years <laughs> Same, no. Justin. when I got when I learned that the two of you were friends and I was friends with both of you we had to do an episode together but have, have you guys never physically met or seen each other's faces while talking no, no. So we've, we've only like communicated over um, over uh, Instagram for the most part. Um, yeah, mostly messaging. Yeah, uh, just you know talking about cosplay nonsense, uh, which is typical. You're both the I'm, loveliest. I'm not sure if I've ever sent a voice clip because sometimes just it gets too long to type a paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure either. I, I, I so I'm terrible. Uh, if people send me voice messages, I will send them back. A t- <laughs> a t- <laughs> um, but but yeah, this is our, our first time like actually like seeing and interacting with each other kind of in person. I love yes. when people meet on this show. That makes me happy. Uh, and I'm, again, I'm so excited to hang out with you both. We're gonna go out for drinks and clubbing and all kinds of stuff when you come visit. It's gonna be amazing. Yes. 
Uh, I just got to parade my husband and children in to see Demanda in drag and to say hi to Justin. Tonight we are doing a weird X-Men character that is very forgotten and very obscure. Let me give my path here very quickly. We're delving into the Silver Age stuff, obviously, and I'm doing a lot of shows on my, or I'm doing a lot of episodes on this Patreon about the family members and supporting cast of the original team. Uh, and we recently, with Philip C.V., did an episode on the Summers family. And while I was delving into the Summers family, I was reminded of Fontanelle, and Black Womb. And I get to do two episodes on these characters uh, this fall on my show because both of them are so weird and we just need, it just needs to happen. Uh, when I invited you two to do Fontanelle, uh, what were your thoughts? <laughs> the first thing that drew me to her was her appearance. I mean, the blue garage door eyeshadow. <laughs> it's stunning. It's stunning. I was intrigued by her, like, just looking at her. Um, I guess before seeing this actress in a movie that is very popular currently, without spoilers, if I were to cast her in a movie, she would have been Rhea Perlman in Matilda. <laughs> yes yes very that um uh, i i i was first of all i was not shocked i'm like a z-list female character uh on on, on, on and Lane? are you kidding um again like we've we've done so many uh already that i was like okay th th this seems like a natural progression i also just love the fact that she is like sexy old lady trope like she's like i don't care how old i am i'm still gonna wear a stiletto knee-high boot i'm still gonna have full tits out <laughs> i'm again wearing full eyeshadow full glam like yes ma'am get she's still getting her roots done <laughs> i love how um i love, love that you cast rhea pearlman as her i was just gonna say quickly <laughs> that's such a good fit uh what were you saying justin i love how multifaceted she is like she's a dream therapist and a dominatrix like <laughs> this woman is busted but in the best way she is skinny and tits up she wears like tight tanks and like high cut skirts and she does her hair and she paints her face and she just it's past her prime it's like very Joan Crawford in her 60s kind of energy if you will and there's something so unique about her like they would turn her away at the door of the Hellfire Club even though she's dressed for the role like <laughs> it's, it's also just so interesting that like even though they don't really have a like appearances together or anything, but like she definitely looks a lot like her mother, where they're just like, Yeah, I'm old, but I'm gonna hike these tits up. I'm gonna <laughs> strap a corset on and we're just gonna go. She's she's also like because of like comic books, like, you know, and people's ages being weird, like you also don't really know how old she is because obviously Amanda Mueller, Black Womb is like immortal like she's she's like lives forever or whatever so it's like you don't know how old she is and whether or not she is also kind of like her mom where she's kind of slowly aging i mean for all we know she could be like 200 300 years old or like whatever like who knows it's well even even looking at the family tree too like she still has the bleach blonde hair the tight outfits the hiked up tits but then like she's 
above like these people who look like your stereotypical grandma and grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it... but like sexy. Yeah. But also, so, ooh. <laughs> so she's technically like the great or second great aunt of Cyclops? Question mark. Right. <laughs> like, so she's, she's somewhere in like that realm of of like family relation. So listeners, this is going to be a very continuity dense episode. Despite the fact that this character only appears basically in one series, Gambit Volume 3 from the late 90s written by Fabian Nicieza, there is so much intense continuity woven into this series that we're just going to kind of cover things quickly and not spend a lot of time on the nonsense parts, but we will have to explain some shit. But this is a member of the Summers family, which is a crazy place to start us. And, and like I always say, when things start getting complicated, especially in comic books or TV shows, just drink for trying to make sense. Just enjoy it and have a good time. Demanda not- and I did Madam Sanctity together. That was complicated. This one is kind of weirdly more complicated. Although there's no time travel involved, there's just so <laughs> much woven continuity. We got to open with Gambit. And I'm going to assume everyone knows who Gambit is. It's Remy LeBeau. He's the French guy that throws cards with kinetic energy that's now married to Rogue. Gambit for a long time, he's a he's a Claremont creation, was the thief. He was the guy that's like the anti part of the X-Men because he formed the Marauders and he's kind of a bad boy and there's a lot of crazy shit. Gambit has had a lot of solo series, which I don't know that people take time to remember because he just doesn't have the same status in the comics now. He also has a crazy origin story. What are your initial thoughts on Gambit? Are you guys Gambit fans? I'm very mid with Gambit. Like, is he hot? Yes. Did they try too hard to make him, like, the new, cool, mysterious, like, whatever? Yes. Um, and, like, they pushed him real hard uh, in, the li- in, like, the late 90s, especially. Because, again, this was his third solo series. Um, but he's fine. I mean, I enjoy him. He's, he, he's, he's like, an interesting character, but especially like the, the the solo series continuity i'm like y'all just he's he's fine he doesn't need all of this <laughs> i am for me i'm i kind of feel obligated to say good things because i live with a gambit fan <laughs> <laughs> but in all reality like um i like him i don't love him you know like He's somebody who I feel like has a lot of potential, doesn't live up to it. Um, especially since the nineties where even even a series like this, they did more with him. And um yeah, he's just kind of fallen off the wayside a little bit. It's that thing I always say on my show where uh, it depends on the storyteller. This guy written by Fabian Nicieza, fucking love him. He's had six solo series, some of which are pretty good. He's also had a number of team-up series outside of the X-Men. There's like been a couple of volumes of Rogue and Gambit. There's been Gambit and Bishop and Gambit and Wolverine. And there's been uh, Deadpool and Gambit. Like this is a character people love, if not only because of the cartoon, but also because he just has a ton of swagger and there's something just very fun about the thief guy. So this series, I... this series weaves all around Gambit and his crazy mysterious origins uh, because the character Fontanelle has been tasked with learning about Gambit 
And her bit is that she sneaks into people's dreams, gets their memories about Gambit through weird little interviews and then disappears. And there's a number of issues where she shows up on one or two pages in what they call interludes. And we don't know who the fuck she is for several issues in a row because she's just popping around into people's memories. Uh, Justin, what were you going to say? What I find amusing with Fontanelle is every single time she appears, it's always the same little square of like mutant dream therapist. I'm trying to find the exact phrasing because it kept popping up anytime I came across her. Yeah, they have to keep reintroducing her over and over in this series. (laughs) Every time she popped up, it was a reintroduction. So Gambit is a person who has a lot of prophecy around him. There is the Thieves Guild and the Assassins Guild. And he was maybe going to be a Summers brother for a while. And then Mr. Sinister's involved. And there's a whole bunch of other X-Men characters that are kind of ancillary. Gambit Volume 3, number one, Fabian Nicieza and Steve Scross. And I apologize for the atrocious accents that are about to come out of my mouth. But we are in an interlude in New Orleans. And Jean-Luc Lebeau, who is Gambit's adopted father, is dreaming, and Fontenelle is the woman in his dreams. And I'm going to read this. I will not read all of her speeches, but I'm going to read this one briefly. She says, (laughs) I thought she said advance. Things are a mess, aren't they, Jean-Luc Lebeau? Who are you? Where am I? Why, we're inside your dreams, Jean-Luc. And most people who know me call me Fontenelle. But enough about me. This is about you. Life's in disarray, huh? The Assassin's Guild and your Thieves' Guild have rejected your calls for order. And he says, fractured clans within fractured guilds, Lebeau versus Marceau, Boudoir versus Avenol, all because our power and our immortality have waned as a result of Kandra's disappearance. And we'll talk about Kandra later. <laughs> and where does your poor, misunderstood, adopted son fit in? What do you know of Remy? Le Diable Blanc. Rumors spread across the Big Easy. He was born with an angel's smile and the devil's eye, taken from the place where he was born by the Thieves' Guild. The antiquary, we'll talk about that later too, considered every child a work of art worth stealing and selling, but he deemed this baby with the red eyes to be worth owning. That troubled you, didn't it, Jean-Luc? Turning an infant over to that vile man, even though your fellow thieves cursed the babe as an abomination. You knew he was well cared for, but the thought of the child spending his life in the Velvet Ministry angered you. Yes. So you played chess with the boy's life. And then Jean-Luc goes on to talk about Gambit's marriage and joining the X-Men. Fontenelle leaves his mind, and now he never remembered that she'd even been there. So we're delving deep into Gambit's origins right away. And what have we learned? He was adopted by this man as a baby. We don't know who his birth parents are. This is one of the bigger, like, unresolved mysteries in the X-Men franchise, I think. And there's a lot of mystery about this guy steeped in legend. Fontenelle in this appearance and all of them gives me, like, a very Moulin Rouge kind of uh, deep, like, uh, deep New Orleans or, like, cabaret vibe. Uh, but she's sneaking in and out of people's dreams for a while, and it's a lot. Uh, what are your thoughts on on this initial interaction? I feel like she owns a chaise lounge. Oh, my <laughs> <Chaise> lounge. <laughs> Obviously, because that is what one lies on when you're in a corset at 80 years old. <laughs> That's uh, it's also very, like, kind of Twin Peaks kind of a thing, where it's like she's mysteriously in his dreams and then he doesn't remember his dreams and sure. like she's she's like you know what, what whatever 
very loosely described mutant powers are. I was buying this book in the 90s. I was in high school and I remember just being like, who the fuck is this lady? Because she just keeps getting used issue after issue. And it takes you, it takes uh, Niseza a while to tell us. He's like playing the long game in this, which is fun. That's not a thing you get to see in comics very often anymore. Is this like well, very long game. The, the thing is like, he... It, he's trying to do like a Claremont where it's like, let me introduce this one character and like a couple of panels and then not talk about them or see them for a couple of issues. Um, and again, like really try to play the long game, which that, I mean, you don't see that almost at all anymore because products are now written to be story. We, that way we can put it in the trade paperback and then resell it even more. Um, so, so there, there, there's just not a lot of that anymore. So I, I respect, I respect the long game because I mean it does take a long time for this to play off. And Fabian, and again, I'm doing a black. Well, I haven't announced this yet. Actually, I'll do this here. The next episode after this is going to be with Trong Li Capecino Yen, all about Karma's evil uncle, General Koi which is fun. The one after that is going to be with Sarah Century and Anthony Oliveira about Black Womb. So we're going to delve deep on this, but Fabian seeds a lot of the Black Womb and Gambit stuff across multiple titles. And the Gambit story and where he comes from is a big part of this series, but he also weaves in this weird stuff with Black Womb and Fontanelle and the Executioner's a big part of this. There's a lot of stuff that's weaving in and out. Uh, we get another interlude where Fontanelle is working for someone named the New Sun. And this is the big revelation at the end of the Gambit title. And frankly, it's kind of unsatisfactory. But this is another, even for deep X-Men continuity stuff, this is a character that we don't think about. Would we think of time travel and crazy? We don't think of the New Sun. But good no, luck. No, he, he's definitely <laughs> one of those don't worry about it kind of characters. But he's a he's one of those character in this series. Yes. What are you? When I think of alternate Gambit, I think of like Age of Apocalypse, um, Exiles, like New Sun is also in reading this too, um, I keep almost calling New Sun Black Sun and Black Womb New Womb. I keep getting them mixed. <laughs> I mean, the new, the new Womb. New Womb and Black Sun. <laughs> it's like, no, Black Womb, New Sun. I... I uh um I actually completely forgot about the new sun for many years until uh I think their their new account on Instagram is called the X Center Family and mm -hmm. it used to be called Excerpts and when they were doing like their their Gambit family tree it was like oh the new sun and I was like what who is oh yeah that that didn't really go anywhere or do anything okay we reading don't into, reading ahead, into Justin. this too um what I find with Gambit that I, that's, um, oh my God, I cannot, words are hard today. <laughs> <laughs> I find Gambit and Jubilee are very similar in the sense that they have a lot of potential and don't really get written to that often and um, are often remembered as their 90s appearance in the cartoon. Uh, I do agree. Justin and I were talking about this before we recorded. Gambit in the modern history has very much become like Mr. Rogue. But even though he's in a lot of titles, we haven't seen him used well. I'm very excited for him coming up in uh, in uh, Steve Fox's Dark X-Men. I think there's going to be some cool stuff there. Uh, I know Steve, so we'll see what happens. Okay, yes, the new definitely. Sun, we do not get the revelation of the new sun until Gambit number 24. But this is the villain that's employing Fontanelle. He's sending Gambit and a guy named Courier, we'll talk about Courier in a little while, out on a bunch of weird missions. Gambit doesn't know who he's working for. 
it turns out the big revelation is that new sun is gambit but from another reality but like a really amped up super powerful version of him and in his reality he was on the x-men and then he killed the phoenix and then he ended up losing control of his powers and blowing up his planet so now he's going to a bunch of alternate realities. As I'm explaining this, Justin and Demandable just took like this giant drink. It's <laughs> a lot to handle. That was not planned. <laughs> so he's jumping around to other realities, trying to stop other gambits from destroying their worlds. And now he's been on 616 for a while and he's trying to learn about our gambit to decide if he like needs to destroy the planet so basically he's either going to build a new planet in case this one gets destroyed and he's also wanting to learn about gambit's past and in the end he gets defeated and his old world gets blown up and fontanelle's story is very tied up with this guy but we're just not going to talk about him a lot even though he's a huge part of this series weirdly he is the guy and this resolved an old plot point he's the guy that rescued gambit from uh from antarctica uh, do you guys want to talk about Rogue and Gambit in Antarctica? It's a big moment for them. <laughs> <laughs> my God. It, it, it's, again, I just, Gambit's just not my favorite. And it's kind of like, I don't, I don't care. There's it's a, very, it's very soap opera. Yeah, there's there's a key scene in, in an Uncanny X-Men comic where Gambit is revealed to be the guy behind the Marauders because he worked for Mr. Sinister to assemble the team when these are the guys that went on to kill a bunch of mutants. And Rogue, faced with like rescuing Gambit, decides to leave him in Antarctica to potentially freeze to death. And New Sun is the one that saves him. We don't have to go there. But OK, we're doing pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Issue two. <laughs> we fontanelle then visits the memories of tantamati uh demand did you want to tell us about tantamati i mean not really she's, she's <laughs> kind of she's kind of a, a a a like kind of terrible like stereotypical character to be honest um i also i also didn't research her so i don't know oh yeah yeah no you're good uh actually before we go there can we think of other storylines where there is some sort of character hopping around from reality to reality, trying to get revenge on other characters that they were mad at in their realities? Uh, this is a story that we see a lot in comics. It was recently in the Sabretooth and the Exile series, Graydon Creed's jumping around trying to kill the Sabretooths in every reality. Uh, Slaymaster does this with Psylocke. Uh, there's a bunch of these stories where characters just hop around trying to kill every version of the person they hate in every world ever. It's weird. Exiles again. <laughs> yes. Right. Uh, okay. Tantamati is a member of the Thieves Guild and the Assassins Guild. Uh, I'm going to cover this very quickly. The Thieves Guild is a global society of criminals, almost like a cult. And it has this whole like society, culture, history, rules. We mostly see the New Orleans branch of the guild. And Gambit's the most intrinsically connected to that one. And there's an immortal mutant telekinetic woman named Kandra. And I would pay good money to see Demanda in Kandra drag one day. She's on the list. She's on the list. <laughs> and Kandra has set up the guild. And every seven years, they pay her a tithe. And they get the elixir of life in return. And they have a prophecy called Le Diable Blanc, or the White Devil with Black Eyes, who's going to lead them to their homeland. I'm summing up a lot of shit really quickly. This is all over <laughs> the Marvel Universe, and there are thieves' guilds in multiple cities. It's been around for generations, 
And in this story, in issue number two, we get a section of their history in 1891, where there's some members of the guild in the modern day who were alive back then, including a guy named the Tithe Collector, who's a creepy guy that collects money for Kandra, and Tanta Mahdi, who's like a voodoo priestess. It's very New Orleans. There's way more of these guys, but that's kind of all you need. But there was a point where Gambit became the king of the Thing of Thieves Guild. Like, there's a lot of prophecies. There's a guy named the Antiquary who got, like, Gambit as a baby. Initial thoughts on the Thieves Guild from either of you. This is another huge part of X-Men history that we <laughs> don't see a lot. I mean, it's... It... Again, like, this part of, like... It... This part of like Gambit's history to me is not that interesting. Like I don't care. It's to to me it's like Wolverine Origins where it's like I didn't need to know. Like just leave everything very mysterious and fun. That's okay. Like you can just leave backstories open. It's all right. Um so like so like going going through and like explaining like all of these things and also like it it it, it the the sort of like uh prophecies and stuff about gambit it's like wit please name an x-men character where they weren't like the main character for a while like we're like the <laughs> we're like they, like the the prophecy is about them um so i i mean it's fine but but it's also like especially with like characters like tantamati and uh you know like the the sort of New Orleans Thieves Guild. It just it just feels very like antebellum and kind of like icky that I just I'm kind of like mm, no thanks. Do you want to define antebellum for our listeners? Like 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 Civil War times and like sort of glorifying that time. I just it's just not it's not great. Uh, Justin, do you have thoughts on the Thieves Guild? Um, I don't think of them often. <laughs> no, but um, again, I mostly just um, a lot of my introduction to them was from the cartoon. It feels like an optional part of history. Like if you really care about the character, it's something you can go back and read. But um, as somebody who, you know, is not as big of a Gambit fan as say you know other people it's something i can you know skim over skip the completionist in me is obsessed like i want to list <laughs> all the characters out and i want to like understand the history but we'll get to gambit on my show in more detail one day the other key piece here is kandra who is a character i think all of us are probably pretty fond of she's pretty fun uh she also set up something called the assassins guild which has its own kind of cult energy and they're in rivalry with the Thieves Guild. And there's like a very Romeo and Juliet story about Gambit, who's the heir to the Thieves Guild, marrying Belladonna Boudreau, who's the heir of the Assassin's Guild. It's kind of complicated, but I'm guessing you guys are also Belladonna fans because she's a lot of fun. <laughs> she she and Kandra are and this is also like just sort of like I I think, in my opinion, one of the reasons that I just don't feel like uh, that 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 I don't like a lot of Gambit stories because he does like he does introduce like a couple of really cool in my opinion interesting female characters that are really just like plot points and like side things that don't really like why did Kandra set up like these guilds and like aside from like I guess money question mark um 
and like and Fontanelle and Belladonna. I think I think Belladonna is much more interesting than Gambit, but that's just I do echo um <laughs> Demanda's sentiments regarding the female characters. Um I do think a lot of them could stand on their own, especially when you look at stories like Age of Apocalypse and the role like Kandra played there as a horseman. Like she's this ultra powerful telekinetic who's kind of bound to this these guilds where it's like, okay, but she could be doing so much more. I just interviewed Sarah Gailey on my show, and in the most recent Pride issue, if you guys have read it, there's a black cat breaks into Kendra's realm, and Kendra's like, "What do you want, power?" And she's like, "No, I just want to ask you on a date." And <laughs> it's so good; it's really fun. <laughs> that is great. Uh, okay, so you guys, I told you this is a complicated character. We're not even talking about Fontanelle, but it's so wrapped up in Gambit. Fontanelle goes into the mind of Tantamate, and she's back in 1891, and she's looking into her memories in which she sees Gambit save Tantamate from a group of people. So this is hints for a time travel story that's going to take place later in the series because we see an adult Gambit here. The interesting part here is Tantamate is able to sense uh, uh, Fontanelle in her mind, and I'll read one little speech bubble here. Fontanelle says, Oh, very good, child. I do so rarely dreamscape anyone capable of realizing it. Call me Fontanelle. I am by profession something of a therapist, but for now I have been consigned to play the part of detective. You have learned much in your long life, Tantemate. As it, but as interesting as it would be to scrape around your subconscious for a while, I am here with specific interests. I don't know why I chose this accent for her, but I'm kind of in love with it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Fontanelle is a dream therapist. Uh, what is a Fontanelle, if we define the word? Anyone know? It's the soft spot on a baby's head. That's what this character is named after. It's the, like the little, it's like the little squishy part, like because the skull hasn't fully formed. This character is named Fontanelle. What do you think? What do you think of this uh this code name? That she can just squish your head. Oh. Sorry, I don't know if you can hear it. There's just a huge thunderclap here. You're good. Um, that's it. I mean, I guess that is interesting. That because, uh, like, it, it's like why why would you name her after like the like the baby soft spot? That's it's so... a fun little French word, a little squishy part of your brain. I think it's yeah. cool. it does. It doesn't have to make sense. It's French. It sounds fancy. <laughs> la la, fontanelle. Well, and, and, and like yeah, like it, it sounds sexy. And then it's 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 also kind of like um, so uh, I learned this when I costume designed seventeen seventy six. Those dresses that became very popular in France and then they came to America. They kind of have like that tape in the back that uh that that women wore. Um, I can't remember what it is in French, but quite literally. The translation of the dress is fart in the wind. Because <laughs> as the cape moves as you walk, it looks like you're farting. And it, it, I mean, so I mean, that does make sense for the French. They love weird little jokes like that. Fontanelle, uh, Fontanelle and Pomplamoose. <laughs> the, gr the Grand Titans. Yeah, we can go all sorts of places. Uh, according to the Marvel Appendix, uh, they've quoted Fabian Nicieza as saying, the reason he named this character is because her powers are about playing with people's brains like soft, mushy clay. So, quote, so Fontanelle was just a wonderfully French-sounding name that also worked for what her powers are, which is kind of great, actually. I think it's fun. 
In issue three, we see Fontenelle scanning the mind of the archaeologist Sekhmet Conaway, who is a love interest for Gambit for a second in this series. Uh, she's 15, she's in Egypt, she enters a tomb, and she's confronted by the living statue Ozymandias, but Go uh, Gambit rescues her. Uh, here's again Fontenelle's quote. She says, What a kettle stew of a dreamscape you are, Sekhmet. Self-aggrandizing interpretations of real events. I'm like going from French to Russian slowly, but that's just going <laughs> to happen, everybody. Combined with a locomotive drive for parental approval, which is which is enraging conflict with your excessively repressed desires. Wake up, dearie. You told me all I need to know about how Remy fits into your plans. Okay. Now we're going to talk about Ozymandias. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, you want to take Ozymandias? <laughs> sure. Well, my introduction to him was through the Onslaught saga. I was kind of intrigued by him. But honestly, reading more about the character, um, just not a lot, to be honest. <laughs> he looks cool. He's this guy made of stone who, like, prophesizes and, yeah. He's a he's a, the son of a pharaoh from ancient Egypt that Apocalypse has turned into a living statue with rock powers to like chronicle Apocalypse's journey over the thousands of years. He's kind of an interesting character. Uh, Demand, are you an Ozymandias fan? No. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm super negative on this show already. So You're like, fuck Gambit, fuck the Thieves Guild, fuck Ozymandias. <laughs> fuck all of them. That I don't care about. Um, but no, I mean... <laughs> He kind of had like his one little like bloop in like the onslaught era and even got a freaking action figure out of it um but uh but like uh, it is i mean good on good on the writers good on fabian for just being like i'm gonna bring all of these random characters from all over the place to dreamscape about gambit for <laughs> like no reason i mean um, everybody everybody's had a sex dream about gambit at some point in the moment well listen especially gambit drawn by clayman yes <laughs> there, there's there's that one issue where uh like he there's something wrong with like the air quality so what does gambit do he rips his shirt off and rips it into rags to wrap around his face it's like yeah uh, that was the obvious choice there buddy <laughs> Well, there is that um shirtless gambit should be a requirement in every issue yes, yes. well there's that one gambit solo book where like preview of the first issue he was in the shower and it was like wow well. i'm I'm okay <laughs> yeah. with this i love it when I, we find I a mean, character yeah. so hot he, he he is he is definitely like the like the mcsteamy of of the x-men universe so issue four, Fontenelle breaks out from New Sun's assignments and she's looking for information on the Black Womb, which is her own project, we will learn. This is something she's doing on the side. Okay, she's in the mind of Carter Reiking. And Carter Reiking is the son of Alexander Reiking, and he's the childhood friend of Charles Xavier. Alexander Reiking worked at Alamogordo with Xavier's father, Brian Xavier, and Juggernaut's dad, Kurt Marco. This is where Mr. Sinister was running the Black Womb project along with Amanda Mueller. Again, we're going to get more into this in the Black Womb episode, but this is a huge unresolved plotline in X-Men continuity that Fabian was setting up for a while. But, I, but I also one of those that, spaces. I love that he pulled Hazard out of nowhere because like Hazard was like a big deal for like the hottest of seconds. So he was in that one issue and then had a trading card 
in the X-Men series two trading cards, like, oh, this is going to be like this new villain. And I was like, ties to Xavier's past. Never to be heard from again. <laughs> he does die episode. in the future. Have you, uh, do, do you want to tell us about Hazard briefly, Demanda? I mean, there's not much to tell. Again, he's another one of the, so, uh, you know, as you said, he's uh, the child of Alexander Reiking. And so Charles and Juggernaut and uh, Carter were all sort of like experiments, but not experiments, but wink, wink, experiments of this. Uh, uh, how do you say that word again? Of uh, I always want to say armadillo. <laughs> yes, the armadillo experiments. <laughs> That's fine. Um, which again, like ties to the black womb and Mr. Sinister and, you know, and, 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 and everybody, it's like everybody's parent worked there and all of their kids were mutants. This is set um, up in the earliest X-Men <laughs> comics. It's uh, it's laid out by Fabian Nicieza a bit. We, we do get this story more fleshed out by, I think it's Mike Carey in X-Men Legacy, where we learn that Mr. Sinister's trying to find a powerful mutant body to transfer his consciousness into through the Cronus Project. Anyway, that's Hazard. Fontanelle is in his mind and she's looking for intel on the black womb. Uh, there is a funny moment where she goes in his brain, Alamogordo, New Mexico. Hmm. Even in a dream and it's a nightmare. Oh, there you are. Love those clothes. How very leave it to be there, which is very fun. <laughs> she's, she's funny. Uh, okay, we're going to cover this part very quickly. Again, I'm going to do a whole episode on this character. And it's a really fascinating part of X-Men history to me. But Black Womb. Uh, Demanda, do you want to take Black Womb? Tell us who Black Womb is. So in a nutshell, so Black Womb. Not womb, New Womb, Justin. Not the new womb, <laughs> the black womb. So uh, in like a nutshell, she is a woman that Mr. Sinister discovers and uses her like, I, I, I'm i trying to like remember accurately, but it's like either she's having miscarriages and he's taking the miscarriages or she also might be having children and he takes the children to yeah. experiment on because she See? potentially has like the mutant gene in like again like the late 1800s yeah basically and we'll get into this again in the next step in the black womb episode but she's a, an immortal mutant or at least a very long-lived mutant who is allowing herself to get pregnant and it seems like she's willfully aborting the babies or the fetuses and giving them to mr sinister to experiment upon but then decades later the two of them are allies and they form this black womb project together where they are experimenting on mutant babies, one of whom is Toad. Uh, again, we'll get more into this later, but this is the character who's bizarre, and it's also Fontanelle's mother, and also a descendant of the Summers line, which is nuts. <laughs> yes, yeah, so so she's... So, because we meet them in the, uh, what, the... The Further Adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix, when they go back in time to stop apocalypse and sinister it's pretty much the the sinister origin story that mm -hmm. they turned into the one random episode of of the x-men cartoon right um, but which is also being heavily drawn upon for the sinister four stuff that's happening at krakoa yeah. now yeah um so uh so yeah so we we meet like his actual like great great grandparents and so amanda mueller is either married to the summers guy and has children with him or is the child of one of them again there's like this like relationship between them so fontanelle is also related to the summers it's but 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 she but she's not like a i don't think she's like the direct descendant i think she's like 
offshoot cousin. Yeah, she's like a she's like a second aunt or something. I don't know. We'll, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. Great aunt twice removed. Yeah. <laughs> so, so 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 like she's like the cousin of like one of their like ancestors. We're going to assume people do not need an explanation about Mr. Sinister, but this is a character that has a wild X-Men history. He's maybe more complicated than Magneto, which is saying something. Mr. Sinister and Apocalypse are so complex, and we'll get there on my show eventually, but I really love both of these villains. In issue number five, we get kind of an, an explanation about Fontanelle finally. I'm going to read this speech bubble. Even the dreamer must dream. Her name is Fontanelle. She's a mutant and a therapist of sorts, who, for a price, psionically scrapes through a target's dreams to obtain information. She has been in the employ of a mysterious figure named the New Sun, who instructed her to piece together the puzzle that is Remy LeBeau. Unable to latch on to Remy's mind, she studied him through the memories and interpretations of people who know him. Tonight, for fun, she decided to try and dreamscape the new son himself. Big mistake. She struggles to wade through the tar field of memories which make up the new son's subconscious with a terrifying feeling of recognition. Has she been where he's been, seen what he's seen? And why does she know to the core of her being that all of this somehow ties back to Gambit as well? For the first time, Fontenelle gets a glimpse of new son and finds herself so close to understanding it all. Then he looks right at her with eyes that have seen so much and promptly kicks her out of his mind. She awakens with his warning and challenge echoing softly in her ears. All great truths begin as blasphemies. So again, she's uh, she's starting to realize she's maybe not working for a great guy. Then in issue six, we get another interlude where she enters the mind of Mary Purcell. Justin, do you want to tell us about Mary Purcell? This is a very obscure character. <laughs> So Mary Purcell is the sister of um, Kimberly. Yes. And yeah, that's pretty much all I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So oh yes, Mar um, she has a gas form and um, interacted with Magneto previously, and then like fought Gambit in the X Men, and so now she's in Mary's. She's in the mind of Kimberly Purcell, visiting the grave of Mary Purcell to get some information. And that we'll we'll kind of skirt over that one pretty quickly. But wait, but, I love so, obscure so, mutants. But like <laughs> the, the, the crazy thing about like this whole Fontanelle dreamscaping thing, it's like she's not going for like the big guns yet like she's going for like all these people who have like very fragmented and very like minor interactions with gambit instead of like for example going after the x-men which does kind of make sense because obviously a lot of them have you know mind blockers and all of that stuff but it's it's interesting that she's like she, she's not going for like any of the big names like people who actually have like a relationship with him it's just like these random people who like kind of met him one time uh justin <laughs> justin do you have a gas form no <laughs> all solid <laughs> you, you answered that so seriously uh <laughs> issue number seven we get another interlude and uh gambit has excuse me fontanelle has entered the dreams of scalp hunter this is the character gray crow that we love from the hellions and she's looking into the memories of the morlock massacre uh, do you want to tell us about Scalp Hunter, uh, Demanda? <laughs> we're so, jumping all over the fucking Marvel universe here. I know we're we're going everywhere. So 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 Gray Crow is uh, a, vet, uh, a an army vet again with sliding time scale. I don't know what war they placed him in in current continuity. Um, but he he he's a he's, he's a war vet. 
he then went assassin for hire he also has powers similar to forges but it's mostly like taking stuff and making them weapons um and uh he more recently which again hasn't happened quite yet um in when, when this story takes place but uh he kind of develops a slight bit of a of a conscience later um like he uh, i remember in the utopian era which was definitely like the big precursor to krakoa where he was just like trying to be like a line cook somewhere and he's just like listen i i may be like you know the 17th clone of myself but i'm just trying to like be like a good person now which then you know now he's not i wouldn't say like rehabbed but he's definitely has a stronger moral compass than 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 he used to um but i mean up, up until this point like we've only really known him as a member of the marauders who uh infamously he killed children like on panel he also shot madeline Pryor in the head once but I, yes. well, this is a character oh, yeah. we'll get to eventually on my show i actually really love him i think he's really interesting and deserves more uh time uh, okay, issue number eight, Fontenelle jumps into Gambit's mind. And there's a landscape that shows Sabretooth, Apocalypse, a bunch of Doctor Dooms, and Rogue like Mackinon Magneto. And Gambit's like, wait a minute, this isn't my dream. Uh, do you guys have my notes pulled up? Yeah. Yes. Justin, Justin, will you read Gambit? And uh, Demanda, will you read Fontenelle in this speech? It's interesting. Okay, hold on. I you have can do, it here. You can do French accents if you want. <laughs> Okay, I tend to prefer me and a bunch of models in a hot tub, stuff like that. So whoever's mucking around with my dreams might as well just show yourself. Okay, where where is that in this? Sorry. Uh, under issue eight. I'll, I'll read Fontenelle here, Demetta. It's fine. Sorry. She says, uh, wow, you are a most dangerous young man. I'm your guide for today's dreams. Any chance I can talk you into dreaming yourself in underwear? <laughs> Fontanelle, I take it. <laughs> Did one of my previous dreamscapes tell you? Tantamati, right? Yeah. Now that we've done the subconscious stuff about me seeing myself all upside down in a confused world, can I just sort of get back on the ground? He's been hanging upside down in his dream. And she goes, there you go, Slick. Interesting dream you have there, Monsieur Lebeau. How come none of these images have cropped up in anyone else's dreams about you? Probably because they have Vintia tap in. Uh, precognitive? More complicated than that. Why Why do you want to find out about me? Two different answers now, cutie pie. Nusan pays the checks, because you're a wild card in his plans. But let's just say I've started to have more personal reasons for doing this. And what would those be? The reason so many of us do the things we do, Remy. I'm looking for the answers to many our kind seek. Who are we? How did we become this way? Why are we here? And where are we going? Think about those questions in the future, Remy. Not just about me or you, but in how we were all meant to play a part in the much, much larger tapestry of human evolution. And this is a crazy interaction. When she wishes him in his underwear, it's my favorite moment, maybe, for this character in her entire run. <laughs> uh, I think it's hilarious. Uh, Justin, you're welcome to get in your underwear for the remainder of the show, if you'd like, but it's no pressure. I mean, you can't see beneath the waist. <laughs> <laughs> you're in your underwear the whole time. I was, I was going to say, send the link. 
<laughs> Close issue, friends only. <laughs> well, anytime, my friend. Uh, in issue number nine, uh, Fontenelle goes into the dreams of the tithe collector, and she gets more information. Uh, there's a mo funny moment where she calls him Barnabas Collins, which is funny. Barnabas Collins is the vampire from that way old soap opera, Dark Shadows, which I feel like Demanda Martini has probably seen. I haven't. Oh. Um. I. Uh, uh, so I knew of the show like the old the old show um i knew of it and i want to say one time i may have seen like one episode but it's just that is that is definitely a gap in my pop culture knowledge i saw <laughs> i saw the johnny depp version many years ago once <laughs> <laughs> So in the brain of the Tithe Collector, she gets more about like the origins of the Thieves Guild and kind of where Gambit comes from. Then we're in issue 10 and she enters the mind of Angel. So here's where Demanda said she starts reaching for the big guns, right? Right. But but it's also like Angel. Like, <laughs> like they're just the two hot guys together on the X-Men. Like they're not friends. I mean, how often are they together even? <laughs> I yeah. mean, in my, in my dreams. They've <laughs> met a time or two. Uh, but she looks into his mind and she gets intel more about the 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 Morlock Massacre, which Angel was like, you know, pinned to the wall and like lost his wings and all that because of Harpoon and et cetera, et cetera. We're, we're skipping over some of this because it's just kind of repeated information, but it's Fabian weaving all of this into the main story that's happening with Gambit and Courier through the through the primary series. Gambit number 11, we get to look back in time. Gambit has traveled back to 1891, which is when he saves Tantamati from the mob. Uh, we open with a newspaper headline. There's a kid yelling, uh, you know, like, extra, extra. October 17th, 1891. Uh, the, uh, the headline is Black Womb Killer Acquitted. So this is set just a few decades after Mr. Sinister was first created. And this is where the Black Womb stuff really kicks in. Uh, this woman has been selling her unborn babies, and it's a huge thing in the news. You can just picture all of the people in London in uh, 1891 being very, very upset about this. And then Fontenelle goes into Mr. Sinister's dream, uh, which is fascinating. And she says, why are you so interested in that murder case? And more important, if your dream is shoving me into these horrible Victorian dresses, <laughs> what did any of this have to do with Remy Lebeau? Too many questions, and I can't stick around to get the answers. Better safe than sorry when the mind I'm scraping is that of Mr. Sinister. Uh, again, I'm going to save all my thoughts on Black Womb until the next time. But was it fun for you guys to... We're, I'm going to pause here for a moment. What was it like for you to revisit this character or to look at this series? There's so much stacked up with this weird, obscure woman. It, it's it's so... Again, it's it's so weird for, for them to... Like, <clears throat> he. it seems like she was created in order because he he needed someone to connect the dots to connect all of these pieces together so he needed to find a way and someone with an ability to do it to be in like so you know going through people's dreams to find their memories uh seems like you know a thing where it's not it, and it, and it can all be like secretive and devious and like build that sort of film noir-esque kind of kind of thing where you're only getting bits of information um as you go along. So I mean it is kind of cool how her, her creation and her character is able to again go across all of these different again, mostly Z listers, but now, you know, 
we're we're an issue what is this 11 10 11 yeah 11 <laughs> where where she's like, like oh okay i got I, I gotta stop with these like minor people i need to start getting like the information from like the the big guns today's audiences do not have patience for this kind of storytelling no, <laughs> 90s, this is fun attention span <laughs> <laughs> give me my money's worth now uh in 13 she enters the the dreams of belladonna and gets uh gets hit her feelings about gambit which is funny because she's like how do you feel about remy and belladonna wakes up and is like hate which is hilarious again we'll talk more about belladonna another time and then in 14 is when she finally enters the mind of rogue demanda do you want to talk about this one when she goes into rogue's mind sure um so also i i appreciate that she's always like sipping wine She's like, I'm just, again, just laying on her chaise lounge, smoking a cigarette, having some wine. Um, Specifically a Merlot. <laughs> oh, yes. We love, <laughs> we love that for her. Um, and, 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 I mean, she's really just kind of telling Rogue, you know, that she has very complicated feelings for him. Um, and, uh, I mean, that. That, I mean that, that 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 that's kind of it. Like it's it's interesting. I I do find it interesting that she's able to sort of like get into Rogue's mind because canonically she's usually been very difficult for telepaths and people with mind powers to get in there. And so it's just interesting that she's able to like get very specific details and stuff. One of the really interesting things about this time travel story that we've glossed over very quickly is Gambit has an ally named Courier who is Jacob Gavin, who is a shape changer. And this is, a, again, a super obscure. Mr. Sinister captures Courier and takes his DNA and then puts it into his own DNA. So Mr. Sinister is now able to change shape, which is something he does with other mutants later. Like he's telepathic and he's super strong. We know he does this with Thunderbird's powers in the future. But this character Courier then gets trapped in a woman's form, which is kind of a fun, you know, gender bendy kind of trans story for a while in the comics a little bit. But uh, it's an interesting thing that takes place. Uh, are you guys Sinister fans? I do enjoy Mr. Sinister. I especially enjoy more current campy crazy Sinister, uh, which is super fun. Because, like, to me, he has the luxury of being campy crazy because he is, in fact, very dangerous. So it's sort of like him, like, playing a game being like, yeah, I'm kind of silly, but I'm still going to, like, murder you and then use your DNA in my crazy experiments. I kind of uh, like... I kind of like what Sinister 2, even though we know his past, there's still a little bit of mystery to him. It's just like, okay, what else are you hiding? What else do you have going on? Uh, does one of you want to take, and we'll have to keep this brief, but the Sinister 4 storyline that's currently happening? Are you following this? I'm, I'm, I'm terrible with current books. I wait for them to kind of be done and then like read. Sinister I'm has... the same way. <laughs> Sinister has a diamond on his forehead and he's a long time foe of the X-Men. He clones himself and he's got all this crazy stuff that does with mutants. There are three other Mr. Sinisters out there. One of them has a club on his head and his name is Dr. Stasis and he's obsessed with human potential. So he experiments on humans in the way Sinister experiments on mutants. Another of them has a spade on his head and his name is Orbis Stellaris. And he's been off in space, like messing with like the cosmic powers and like 
fussing with this shit for a long time. And the fourth one is a woman named Mother Righteous who has a, a heart on her forehead. And she is the modern version of Sinister's dead wife, uh, uh, Rebecca Essex from like back in that Further Adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix book. And so Sinister has learned that he's been a clone this entire time. He's one of four Sinisters that were created by the original Mr. Sinister in the 1800s. So there's a lot of really cool shit happening in the comics currently. And it's all <laughs> over the place. And you you have to wonder how all of this is going to impact the long-term stories. But there's been four Sinisters the whole time. And uh, it it suits the entire like deck of cards because each one has a different symbol on their heads. Yes. Uh, any thoughts? I mean, I, I I enjoy I enjoy Mr. Sinister in general. I think I think again, I think he's super fun. I think he's dangerous. I mean, listen, the man wore a shredded cape and called himself Mr. Sinister. Like, <laughs> the drama, the fantasticness, uh, to- totally into it. And and again, I find it interesting because he's not a mutant, but he is is obsessed with mutants that he finds a way to integrate, you know, their their powers to again give him long life to you know get give you know give him super strength and energy blasts and telepathy and you know all of that stuff so it is it's interesting and again he's the whole reason which you know he pointed out several times again i again i absorb my comic book knowledge these days like from x twitter and uncannyxmen.net um but (laughs) he's the reason that the krakoan age works because it's like his running technology that allows them to be resurrected yeah, he's a crazy character. Uh, Justin, any thoughts on the Sinister Four? Okay, you and me, Demanda, we have the same way of absorbing comic knowledge, because same. Um, but what really fascinates me about, what really, oh my god, what I find fascinating about Mr. Sinister is his obsession with the cloning. Like, first story I, one of the first main stories I read was um, Mutant Massacre, and immediately I was drawn to the Marauders and wanted to look more into, like, what they were about and learned more about Sinister and just that team in general and the fact that they were tied to him directly just whenever they pop up like um when I started reading the X-Men regularly I remember reading the Mike Carey stuff first going back and reading the old stuff and it's just like okay I want to know more about these characters yeah uh, in the next few issues, like four issues, and I'll cover them quickly, Fontanelle enters the mind of Courier, who we talked about. She's back into Gambit's mind. She starts to learn the truth about the new son and what he's got going on. Then she enters the mind of Bullseye, who has been fighting Gambit, and it's kind of all un- inconsequential. Uh, Justin, do you want to tell us about Bullseye? <laughs> <laughs> so Bullseye is a daredevil villain who never misses um, he is an assassin who has been employed by Kingpin, and That's as despicable as he is, as despicable as he is, he is pretty cool, not gonna lie. He's a great villain, and his real name is Lester, which is somehow the most evil part about him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, he and- got to start in baseball, too. <laughs> yes. Uh, in issue 20, we finally get the Fontanelle story. It took 20 issues to get here. And every issue, she's like, oh, I'm your dream therapist. What are you doing? Oh, it's me. I'm your dream therapist. What are you doing? And then in issue 20, we finally get the truth. She confronts Gambit in his dream and admits uh, what is going on with her. Here we go. Here's the quote. Fair enough. My name is Gloria Dane. I've worked as a dream therapist, making a decent living and relative anonymity for years. Quiet on the surface so I could be uh, alternative underneath it all. 
<laughs> Life was fire until I was contacted at my um, clinic, maybe more like a torture dungeon in San Francisco by Jacob Gavin Jr., the courier. So uh, she's been living an alternative lifestyle, and her real name is Gloria Dane, which is such a good soap opera name. <laughs> what is this woman's daily life like? I, I mean, listen, I, I, think, I think we all know. Like, <laughs> the fact that she lives in San Francisco, too, like she's been to, um, fuck, what are the, what's that called? The Marketplace or the Market Days? Oh, oh, oh Market Days. Yeah. Uh, Folsom, she hangs out at Folsom. Oh, yeah, yeah Folsom, Folsom, that's it. <laughs> so Gambit's questioning her. They're putting together all the shit about the new son. She was hired. She was being paid to gather this information. Uh, so she started looking at all these places and she figured out what his history was. Uh, and then she's uh, Gambit's also been working for him. And they're just like, oh my God, what are we doing? We don't know this guy. Uh, they start comparing, like, this is us wrapping up the whole series, basically. We start comparing what they've been doing all along. Gambit's recounting everything that he has been doing in his solo adventures, which we won't take time to cover. But this is a complicated series. Uh, then they finally kind of realize that New Sun is looking for a new dimension through a mutant named Quiet Bill. Uh, because he wants to find another place to go after he this world is destroyed, basically. Uh, uh, Fontanelle says, the reasons New Sun needed and used you are clear. Your skills as a thief are to get him information. Your ties to the X-Men and mutants because he claims this new Earth will solve the world's problems between humans and mutants. But why did he want me to delve so deeply into the personal specifics of your life? She says, I dreamscaped Storm, who saw you as you were when she first met you. A devilish charmer, a scamp with no regrets. And even though she knows you better now, that's still how she prefers to think of you. She also went into Iceman's mind. He was with you in Seattle the night you and Rogue finally confronted your fears about each other. He he looks at you with pity. He thinks you're Joe cool, but deeply unhappy. She looked into Beast's mind, who sees Gambit as a bipolar dichotomy, a sad, tortured, callous front covering for a competent, intelligent moral interior. Uh, she goes into Rogue's mind, and that's all conflictual. She goes into Sabretooth's mind and says he sees you as someone he respected you as, to deserve a slow, painful death. Whatever happened between Creed and your guild when you were a teenager still sticks in her craw. She went into Frenzy's mind, Joanna Cargill, who has a... <laughs> apparently they have a sexy history, she and Gambit. So she's going through all these different ways of people perceiving Gambit and kind of capturing his complexities. Uh, she says, uh, my perceptions of you got even more emotionally conflicted when I started digging into your New Orleans roots. I mean, this was the stuff that Shakespeare lived for. A boy, born, a baby born with red eyes, abandoned at birth by unknown parents, taken from the hospital by a mysterious guild of thieves that's thousands of years old because it was prophesied a hundred years ago that this child would grow up to save them one day. The child was then turned over to the guild clan headed by the antiquary. So again, he's this white devil of prophecy. They struck a deal. She recounts his history, his marriage to Belladonna, his mutant powers, Mr. Sinister, new son. Like she goes through this whole thing. It's like this longest speech you've ever seen in comics. Uh, she kind of pieces it all together. And uh, they they then realize, and here's where the, the key for uh, for uh, for Fontanelle is. She says that woman you met in 1891, Amanda Mueller, that person who was called the Black Womb, she was my mother. 
And Gambit says, but you're what, late 40s, early 50s? When I met Amanda, she was already in her 30s, uh, which would mean she must have been extremely old when you were born. And Fontenelle says, mysterious, isn't it? She's immortal? No, I don't think so. I remember her aging slowly. She says her mother disappeared when she was about 20. She thought she was dead. And then she has been dreamscaping people who saw her. Or something that used to be her long after she disappeared. I realized that somehow your paths and mine were going to cross or had crossed along with new sons. So every job I did for new son after that was really being done as much for myself. All of it to better understand you or to prepare certain players like Angel for the plans new son had for you. I started to see him get a little more panicked. So she's been kind of setting all of this up and looking into her own history at the same time. <clears throat> and then they realize the new son is an alternate version of Gambit. Like this goes on and on. Before I keep going, let me hear your thoughts on all of this craziness. The the X-Men's thoughts on Gambit and then this kind of thing where her path is crossing with his. What are your thoughts? She went into Weissman's mind and at least didn't out him. <laughs> I mean, but I, I mean obviously she she's lived in san francisco she 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 knows we we, we don't kiss until. um it's like again her her whole sort of character arc is plot device where it's uh like this this uh series of gambit is obviously trying to like delve into like history of Gambit that hadn't been previously revealed. Um, you go, go into again, like, uh, like really be like a character study of Gambit, which hadn't really been done before. Uh, and especially post, uh, you know, Uncanny Three, was it 350? The whole uh, trial of Gambit and him being left in Antarctica. Um, so I mean, it is it is interesting that uh, the the you know she was she was sort of created to to do this and then, which is fulfilling for the character in the sense that oh well we now know like his backstory and sort of like what what potential he could have and all and we also you know got him woven throughout pretty much all of Marvel continuity uh, only to just then be left with like this kind of lackluster uh, like weird time travel art alternate reality story the gambit series runs for 25 issues total in 21 through 24 is where things finally kind of boil over i'll cover this quickly courier breaks into the pentagon and gets intel on the black womb project and how she was an ally of sinisters and fontanel's like what the fuck is going on she goes into quiet bill's brain he's another mutant and he can open up portals to other dimensions and this is the guy where New Sun's been looking to see if Gambit's evil in all these other realities. And then finally, they realize who New Sun is. Gambit has a big war. They end up back on New Sun's original devastated Earth where New Sun dies and Gambit lives. And Fontanelle, her part in this big story is keeping Quiet Bill awake so that the dimensional portal stays open. And then at the end, she's like, everybody leave me alone. I don't want to see you for like 10 years. Bye. And then she's gone and we never see her again. <laughs> relatable <laughs> the key to this and we're going to fast forward through all the gambit nonsense what do we like about this character what is it about fontanelle that fascinates you or that you enjoy what do you want to see more of 
So I I find just the sort of uh, like this black womb character very interesting. Um, I would definitely like to see her when when black womb like comes back up, which I assume can only be sometime soon. That like she's gonna be sort of like and in fact didn't they haven't well because they they brought back Rebecca Essex as you said with with Mother Righteous. Kieran um, Gillen recently touched on Black Womb in an Immortal X-Men issue, but it's still a huge mystery. Right. So, like, I I would like to see kind of that play out and how maybe even, like, Fontanelle herself is um, potentially... Because, obviously, uh, Amanda Mueller killed a lot of her babies. So, like, why did this one stay? Like, what was it about her that... Uh, um, that Amanda Mueller was like, oh, this one can stay. She's all right. We'll we'll, we'll keep her around. Um, so so like that that to me is interesting. Also, her like weird connection to Sinister and the Summers family. Again, is she being invited to the reunion? Is she being invited to to go live on the moon with the rest of them? They're like, Auntie, <laughs> come on over. Bring the Merlot. Her her and Jean just like. Sipping some wine and talking about boys. I don't know. I, <laughs> I I think it would be interesting to see, like what like how, what kind of dynamic she could bring to to just like kind of the summers in general. I mean, to enter to to address what you first said, the Black Womb storyline was taking place in like 1880. This is when she was giving up the babies, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Fontanelle is born closer to like 1950 which is many years later. And again, there's more to explore here, but I think she was, this was a point in her life where she was no longer willfully giving up children to Sinister. 70 well, years is a long time. time she, she would have been born around the same time as Xavier, uh, Kane Marco. And so again, was Fontenelle also one of those yeah. kids? That's what I was just going to say. There's a story about the Black Womb Project where Sinister yeah. has this whole Cronus thing and Amanda had another child that's waiting to be told. That's a big it, part it, exa- of the it, it, Exactly. So again, that's why I'm like, what was it about her that that Amanda Mueller was like, oh, this one can stay. And I don't think it was like, oh, I want to be a mother. I think it was like, okay, well, what's this kid going to do? What kind of it's like Moira like, having Proteus or Charles having Legion it, or it, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, exactly. Like there's there, there there's something about this because that that fucked up Boomer generation of mutants. <laughs> and like, uh, and like ha- having kids as like personal pawns is just very just very interesting. And also was what was she also brought? It was like Fontanelle also brought in because. She also has that elusive Summer's DNA that, you know, Sinister gets so obsessed over. Justin. Regarding Fontanelle, I really hope she doesn't get quiet build, you know, just because <laughs> he kind of got off very quickly. Granted, I see why he was a threat to Mr. Sinister at the point when he was killed. And, you know, who's to say quiet bill wouldn't be back although i feel like he's one of those characters who's not really on anyone's mind unless you're mike carey <laughs> which you know is what i appreciate is that mike carey kind of brought a lot of this back to the forefront for a brief moment and you know kind of made me intrigued and like this deep dive into fontanelle was a good chance to actually read into this backstory 
Um, regarding Fontanelle, her appearance is what really draws me to hear draws me to her she's just so unique looking and stands out like and she has a unique take on um telepathy as well like not just she's not just a pretty telepath she's a dream therapist who you know is wearing these outfits and at the same time you know looking wrinkly <laughs> i want to talk about that let me address the summers thing really quickly because we didn't delve into this and it's not explicitly stated in the gambit series at the end of the further adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix, which is the Sinister origin story where his wife and child die, Sinister has formed a group of kind of local thugs that he calls his marauders. And there's two of these guys named Oscar and Daniel. Daniel, at the end, because they met Scott and Jean from the future, they decide to emigrate to America and change their last name to Summers. And this character, Daniel, who's the orphan, who's now Daniel Summers, is the man that goes on to marry Black Womb. But I don't think that Gloria or Fontanelle is his actual daughter. I think she's Black Womb's daughter. And it's their progeny because I think they also have a son. Again, we'll get into this in the in the Black Womb episode. But this would make Fontanelle, if I'm doing my math correctly, like Philip Summers, who's the grandfather, like the father of Corsair, would be like her step nephew if i'm doing my like so this is kind of like an obscure obscure family reference but she's connected to the summers line which is really interesting and i do think demanda you're really on to something when you talk about her birth being a clear allusion or or allegory like a connecting point to the birth of xavier and the birth of sebastian shaw and these other characters that are tied to the black womb project so this character has a really interesting place in x-men history the other thing i really love about her my job as a therapist is to like take what people are telling me and like read between the lines and figure out what they're going through emotionally and learn facts about them and piece them together and challenge them. This character repeatedly describes herself as a dream therapist. She's peering into your subconscious. She's putting the pieces together and saying, hmm, here's what makes you tick. But she does it for money. But she also has this sex dungeon where you kind of get the idea that she's doing this with people's kinks and she's like reading into their minds and like really like kicking them in the ass with her stiletto psychically. It's, there's a fun bit about her that I really enjoy. So, so that's what I was I, 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 Sorry, Justin. I think her day job is is actually like using her powers in like a sex work type of way where it's like she's going in your dreams and like fulfilling your fantasies to like for example, if you have like a really unusual fetish and you're like, well, I'm uncomfortable doing that in real life for whatever reason. Well, let's work at that in your dreams through sex therapy in your dreams. She's like, way she's like peeing on Elon Musk in his dreams. Someone doesn't want to like step into the realm of water sports, but it's like, we can do that here because this is a safe space in your brain where it's like not real but you still get to like get that fantasy out which again good for her for finding like a niche of her powers and being like this is a service that i can offer i love that well it's like um looking at how they describe her like every time she appears they couldn't put wet dream therapist Fontanelle as the plot device to weave together Gambit's like crazy history is fun. And that's why NEC has created her. 
but it's the black womb stuff it's the summer stuff and it's her powers themselves which make me really love her i did an episode on birdie with terry blass there's an element of birdie and her glow and like her position as like a therapist in the comics now where fontanelle could occupy a similar space somnus kind of fills this space out for me as well i was just gonna say i have written here when i was looking at her powers she kind of reminded me of somnus mm-hmm. at least based on the description somnus can spe- specifically can live out a whole life in one night in your dreams right but uh she's got some really interesting bends to her i would love to write this character i would love to tell the black womb story and i think that fontanelle is a part of it that's never been attached although she has been attached to black womb we never think of fontanelle people just completely like black womb is an interesting like trivia question that people keep in their minds but fontanelle is someone that people don't think of at all really interesting (laughs) Uh, the dominatrix dream therapist side of her and this connection point. That's what I want to explore with this character more than anything. <laughs> I do have one final question with um, Fontanelle as well. So has 10 years passed in the comics? Because she said, don't contact me again for 10 years. <laughs> I mean, like that ever works. But yes, I would say it's likely been 10 years since the late 90s. I think that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> It's probably been like two years, but Krakow is around now. She could be doing anything. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say, I'm sure Celine has been like, hey, I have this friend. She and I have been friends for years. <laughs> I Actually, see... mine, we've been friends for a few weeks. I want to see this Black Womb stuff brought up in the comics. I want to, God, I would love to write that series. Marvel, call me. I would love to write it. It'd be so fun. But Kieran Gillen would do amazing at this as well. Uh, These are incredible sections of X history. There's so much. You guys, Xavier's dad died in a nuclear explosion and no one has ever explained it. It drives me nuts. I've written the story. I'm ready, Marvel. (laughs) (laughs) Like like that, that whole like generation, like the generation before xavier like because because uh destiny is also a part of that as well like there mm-hmm. are so many people that were like all together doing stuff and they're like i want to talk about it <laughs> well and a big part a big part of this gambit series as well is about the character executioner who Nicieza ties into the x-men ally fred duncan the old fbi agent who was like collecting alien technology. And Nicieza also says that Fred Duncan was part of this black womb stuff, which then ties the executioner into it. There's a whole bunch of shit here. I promise. <laughs> it's crazy. It, well, well, cause, cause obviously Fred Duncan as like the FBI, like liaison to the X-Men for a long time. Like, obviously there's a reason that he was Xavier's friend. It's because he was like a friend of his dad or like, you know, whatever, whatever. So it's like, there's, there's so, and also FBI, Surgeon, I'll I'll believe that badge. I'm pretty <laughs> sure you were some other weird age. For more on Fred Duncan, see my Fred Duncan episode with Seth Martell. Also our review of the first X-Men series, which explores some of this guy's interesting early years. Uh, this has been a joy. Do we have any remaining questions or comments on Fontanelle? I mean, I just, I, I would love, because, because like with Justin, like she kind of has like a bit of a unique look where it's like, she's she's a, a a little bit emma frost but like if emma frost would ever deem to allow herself to age um and, and she she kind of gives off a little bit of of that vibe i i, I think i think she would be a fun interesting addition to to like you know the background of krakoa uh, again 
therapy because listen, as we all know, all of the X Men need therapy. Like picture everyone. her, <laughs> picture her entering Emma Frost's dreams and tell me how amazing that story would be. <laughs> First of all, her showing up as like crazy wine auntie to the moon to the Summer's compound, like. She's like, so, are we going to talk about this family stuff? Like, let's go. Fuck yes. And the Stepford Cuckoos show up. It'd be amazing. And 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 then she'd be like, oh, and I also brought a very special guest, Maddie Pryor. Let's go. Mm, (laughs) Yes, that'd be fun, too. Uh, I mean, looking looking at this series, too, it's like, the X-Men lived in San Francisco. Missed opportunity to have her. (laughs) She was busy at Folsom, peeing on someone. It's fine. (laughs) I mean, also, like, what is she like the secret runner of the X Ranch? Ooh, <laughs> she was working. X knows her. Yes. <laughs> okay, a book with her and Stacy X would be cool. Yes. Oh my god, <laughs> I love this. I love this character more and more the more we explore this. Because uh, sex work is work. <laughs> the one thing about this character that can never be allowed to be repeated: Gambit calls her Fonty. F O N T Y. Nope. Get out. <laughs> Auntie, auntie. Oh, auntie, auntie. Maybe that's fun. Auntie, auntie. She's very much like um, appearance. She's very much Cassandra Nova with um, Celine's wardrobe. Ooh, kind yes. of. Kind of. Also, her and Cassandra Nova like getting together. Like I get because they're of that same generation. Yeah, like the possibilities, Marvel possibilities i will write fontanelle uh demanda you can re- write the return of the new son and justin <laughs> you can write the new womb i will be there for both <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you guys i love you both so much i'm excited demanda to see you in a couple weeks in new york justin i can't wait to see you both in september here in salt lake city uh as we're wrapping up where can people find both of you online do you have any thoughts you'd like to uh to finish with and we're going to put this out on August 23rd. Anything you would like to plug? Uh, Justin, do you want to go first here? So I can primarily be found on Instagram under the username J underscore Cosmic. That's with the K. And um, a lot K-O- of it's... Uh, cos- K-O-S-M-I-C. Yes. <laughs> a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of cosplay stuff. A lot of um, toy collecting. Um, and upcoming events right now will be the Uncanny Experience in Minneapolis. And then oh, after... I'll see you there too then. Yay. Oh, yay. I didn't realize you were <laughs> I wasn't going. Sure. I wasn't sure you were going either. So, but yeah, I'll be at the Uncanny Experience. And then after Uncanny Experience, we'll be driving over to Salt Lake City and doing the Fan Expo there. Oh my God. We're going to hang out for like the whole month of September. And I'm assuming you're bringing your husband to both? Of course fantastic tell him hello for me yes definitely uh and demanda so you can find me across all social media well actually there's so many new ones so i <laughs> i should stop saying <laughs> social like all social media. you can find me on instagram twitter for now uh facebook and tiktok and most importantly on cash app and venmo at demanda martini <laughs> b-m-a-n-d-a-m-a-r-t-i-n-i um, again, I'm going to be joining uh, these two at FanX in Utah. Uh, Justin and I have planned some matching cosplays for the weekend, which I'm very excited about. Um, and uh, again, I'm uh, hopefully uh, this this is going to be after FlameCon, but hopefully I'll have seen a bunch of you at FlameCon, which is great. Uh, also, uh, uh, so after 
after Fan X, sorry, cut out all of those pauses. <laughs> so after after Fan X, uh, I of course will be at Farpoint Convention uh, in February in Baltimore, and another big one is in March. I'm going to be going to WonderCon in Anaheim, California, which I'm very excited about. Um, going to be, I have a bunch of New Zealand cosplays coming up. Um, and of course, that we have Fontanelle right now. Um, I've got 80s Wasp, uh, 80s Psylocke, uh, Betsy Braddock. Um, eventually, I'm going to get to Big Varda. She's still floating around. Uh, Unisconi is still in the works. So we've I've got a lot of uh, fun things going on. And Amanda and I are going to be doing panels together at both FlameCon and FanX. Uh, the live show we did with, well, it wasn't live, well, it was live, we recorded it, with uh, Tay Bobo and uh, Dex Exclamation Point. Demand and I are going to be carrying that over into both FanX and FlameCon, where we have different guests, and we're going to be doing mutant fashion reviews with me hosting, Demand and judging. It's going to be so fun. I've, I've put this stuff together and I'm excited. I'm also going to be doing some panels at the Uncanny Experience, which I'm really excited about. Uh, the show is growing, and I'm having so much fun you guys there's uh there's things planned into november uh and i'm really really just so grateful to be occupying this space uh art on my graphic novel continues to come in as well and i hope to have some big announcements by that uh by the end of september we will see what is happening you can find gray malkin pp like podcast on twitter or whatever the fuck that's called now and gray malkin <laughs> underscore land on instagram i am also loosely on discord and threads under the same name find me we're figuring out where all this is gonna land as we live through this wild time in america right now uh i already plugged the two new patreon episodes coming out after this on the main show the next episode immediately after this one is going to be the trial of herbert edgar windham the high evolutionary and it's going to be a genuine blast uh, i love fontanelle i love the both of you thank you everybody for listening thank you demanda thank you for justin uh we will see you back here next time on gray malkin lane's patreon <laughs>